This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy Monday and welcome back to the WOMED, my fine friends. Have you seen the necklaces? Do you like them? Tell me what you think. I love that I found Unlocked and I love even more that they are a Nashville-based company. Unlocked actually reached out to me about collaborating on a necklace and we ended up making two. So all pieces are made by women transitioning out of homelessness using recycled materials. So you have jewelry that's good for people and the planet. And that just resonated so much with me and, and my ideals, I guess. It just felt like the perfect WOMED match. And honestly, I want y'all to feel that nursey energy and what female empowerment means uniquely to you each time you wear the necklaces. And I hope that's what you feel. Secondly, I apologize for the delay, but Patreon is almost live and I can't wait to see what y'all think of it. I'm so excited to get on the live Q&As with y'all and support you guys personally there and be able to offer you guys ad-free episodes. I think it's going to be awesome. This week on the WOMED, I welcome Trista Sutter to the podcast. Some of you OG Bachelor fans will be extra excited because Trista Sutter is the first ever Bachelorette. But what most people don't know is that Trista was originally a pediatric physical therapist. Now we started out season three talking about patient advocacy, and I thought Trista would be a really great addition to the WOMED to speak into that. And I will leave that for Trista to tell you, but I'm really happy we were able to have this conversation. Now let's bring some N-D-E. All right, this week's Nurse D Energy, I am personally giving it to you myself. I am loving getting to work in the OR. It's been fun and challenging, but also like riding a bike, if that makes sense. I thought being away from the bedside for the last year and a half made me less than or not a nurse, even though I was working as a nurse injector. But getting to fulfill the other aspect of nursing that I love so much has been such a gift. And it just feels so good, like like I'm finding my way back to myself, if that makes sense. I don't know. It just feels good. But it's always okay to try something new. And that's what I just really want to encourage and send out to all of you guys. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Well, Trista, welcome to the WOMED. I'm so thankful that we were able to make this work today. And I've really wanted to not like change the direction of the WOMED at all per se, but to add to it because as healthcare professionals, our sole purpose is caring for our patients, right? Yeah. So I think it's really important to talk more about patient advocacy. And I'm just really grateful you were able to to make the time and willing to come on and chat with me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm just so excited to be able to share this space with you and and chat, especially because I've been out of healthcare for a really long time. <laughs> I don't even know what gosh, I would need to really think back to when I when I stopped for it. Maybe it was 2002. So it's been almost 20 years that I've been out of healthcare. So thank you for, <laughs> for giving me the space because to get the chance to talk to you, I feel like I've always been drawn to you on 
you know, of course, The Bachelor and Aww, Bachelor in Paradise and all of that. Of course, I'm I'm a forever fan because of how it changed my life. And yeah, and I loved watching you. So yeah, it's so fun to chat. Well, thank you for that. So not many of you may know that she does have a background as a pediatric physical therapist. Yes, I do. <laughs> I actually put in all that work and you then did. I stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a doctoral? program at that point? No, no, it was not. And that tells you how long it's been (laughs) also, because it was just, for me, I chose to do a master's at that point in time. It was either you could get a bachelor degree or, or a master's degree. And I chose to continue my education after undergrad. I went to undergrad at IU and then um, Indiana, and then I got accepted into university of Miami's PT program. And at that time they were rated second in the nation. So I was really excited to be accepted and it was a two and a half year program. And then after that, I ended up getting a job in pediatrics at Miami children's hospital. But anyway, I worked for four years as a pediatric physical therapist. And then of course I got the opportunity to go on the bachelor and (laughs) the rest is history. (laughs) I did actually go back to work after filming The Bachelor and Mm -hmm. getting my heart broken. And I asked my boss, once I got the request to be the first Bachelorette, if I could have another leave of absence. And she's like, uh, no. Yeah, that's what happened to me. So I was like, okay, (laughs) time to leave, I guess. So I had always (laughs) wanted to live in California. I moved. I didn't really think about my license at the time. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I... I just realized that I would have to completely take my boards over again. Mm -hmm. And I have the worst memory on the planet. I'm like, I'm not going to remember anything that I'm, that will allow me to pass this test. So I just let my license become inactive and it's sad, but, but it's also great because, you know, I I'm happy in my life now and Mm -hmm. moved to Colorado for Ryan. So it's all good. Well, I had a similar thing happen. Like when I left for The Bachelor, they're like, oh yeah, great, cool. Like go find love. We love you. You can have a leave of absence. And then, you know, paradise came and I was like, how mad would you be if I left again? (laughs) And they're like, well, Danielle, we absolutely love you and encourage you and support you, but we can't just hand out leave of absences. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But so many people don't believe that you go back to work after the show. And it's like, well, you do. I mean, then, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, you kind of have to, I I had to, I needed to pay the bills still. And, oh yeah, you know, I wanted to go back to my, to my life and my patients at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But when the bachelorette happened, that was a different story. Like I felt like it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and I'm glad I didn't because my life would be very, very, very different. Well, yeah. Um, you would... My children wouldn't exist. So yes, yeah. Yeah. it's a good thing. Well, and that just leads to so many other different avenues of not only income, but of platforms and things Mm -hmm. that you can do with your platform. But I want to kind of circle back to the whole, you know, patient advocacy portion, whatever you feel comfortable with sharing, what has kind of been going on with you? Well, I guess with Ryan, more specifically, this whole like last year. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about this morning, it's been almost a year, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I, I am going to be a little delicate on the topic because, understandable, you know, it is his story and we still are in the process of trying to figure things out. And once we do, we'll, we'll share that. But, but yeah, it has been quite eye-opening in terms of 
being on this side and not that I haven't dealt with doctors in the past. I mean, I've had things where doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with me Mm -hmm. in the past. And this is just different because I am, I'm like, I'm a mama bear, right? if you will. But that extends to my family and friends as well. Mm-hmm. I am very protective. I am very loyal. And so being that it's my husband, of course, I, I hear him when and see him when he is not feeling well. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it affects both him as well as me, as, as well as actually our family life. And of course, being that he is my best friend, my favorite person in the world, my partner, you know, I, I want him to feel good. I want him to be healthy. And I am, and have been very much so a patient advocate and, and I feel like I have to be in order to get the answers that we're looking for. Like I said, it's been eye-opening. And in terms of Western medicine, I just feel like there's a lot of limitations there. And I come from, you know, physical therapy from where I, I went to, I didn't go to med school, but it's similar to med school. You know, I, I learn all, you know, a lot of the things that, that doctors learn on a much lesser scale, obviously I'm not a doctor. I'm not an MD. (laughs) I didn't put in all of that work, but you know, I studied gross anatomy. I Mm -hmm. studied, you know, those kinds of things and, and the physics of a working body. Exactly. So I come from a very like logical medical mindset Mm -hmm. and this has kind of thrown a loop in that medical mindset because it's not whatever's going on with him. It doesn't necessarily fit in with the things that the doctors that we've been going to see Mm -hmm. thus far have been educated in or are willing to look into. So I don't know. I just feel like in this day and age, because of insurance companies, especially, yeah, and especially because of our insurance company in particular, we have an insurance company based out of Denver and we live in the mountains like two hours away. So a lot of the doctors that, well, actually almost like 99% of the doctors that we have been seeing since we moved here, mm-hmm. which was almost 20 years ago. They are no longer on our insurance plan. So oh my God. that's extremely yeah. frustrating too, because we <laughs> we can't we can't go to the people that we have relationships with that we trust, that you know, all of those things. So that's been another added component to this and why I feel like I've had to be a big proponent for for Ryan and for getting answers because we're having insurance issues as well. So gosh, it's, it's a lot. And I will tell you when I was in physical therapy, one of the biggest headaches was insurance. Yeah. They, yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. I mean, I, it's one of the reasons that I have said in the past documentation and insurance companies, it's one of the reasons that I got out of physical therapy and didn't feel like my patients were at the heart of it all. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why I did what I did. I worked with inpatients and outpatients and it just was so fulfilling and brought me so much joy. And, and that's why I did what I did, but then, you know, you throw in insurance and paperwork and all this documentation that you need to provide. And 
and it takes the fun out of it almost, you know, and Mm -hmm. I get it. I understand why they need it. But at the same time, it's very similar to how I feel now. Why can't a doctor or a physical therapist just say, this is what my patient needs. Let's get it done. Instead of having to go through pre-certification with their, with the insurance's doctors and saying, no, I'm sorry, but you don't need that. That's medically unnecessary. And I'm like, but what are you talking about? My doctor said that I needed it. Or, you know, back in the day I said I needed it for my patients. And so it's, it's just really frustrating. There's like almost too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And it would be really a beautiful thing if the insurance companies would just trust (laughs) and respect (laughs) the, the physicians who are trying to do their job. Yeah. And it's, it's such a double-edged sword because there's, you know, I mean, some people aren't honest, you know, and they try and, you know, manipulate certain records and stuff, but at the heart of it, these doctors are trying to provide what their patients need and they're being blocked by like another set of doctors that don't, don't know you don't necessarily aren't as familiar with your case. And there's just, it's such a disconnect there. It's a, it's a major bridge that needs to be built. 100%. That's kind of what we're what we're really truly realizing now is that, that there's just this, like you said, huge disconnect and, and it's so frustrating. I mean, we have gotten inundated with people reaching out to us who have been in the same situation, who can't find answers to whatever's going on with them, no matter what it is. I mean, I can't even read all of my direct messages. Um, and if there's someone who's reaching out to me with something that isn't related to what's going on with Brian, like I can't even get to it because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of messages and there's, there will be every so often I'll check them. And there's one on top that like I just did a podcast with Rachel Lindsay mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of back and forth with people who take issue with her for whatever reason. Yeah. And which was shocking to me. I'm like, what? I, I love Rachel. She's a good I friend know. of mine. She's like, I, I'm sorry, but she's wonderful. And it was shocking to me. And I was responding to um, a lot of people's comments and just saying, why don't you just give it a listen? It might change your mind. You might be pleasantly surprised. And because it's a great conversation about racial injustice and mm-hmm. how we can be better allies. And it's a great conversation. Yeah. And people are just automatic, like just really quick to judge, you know, and they, maybe it's not really quick, but based on the things that they've heard or seen or whatever, they've formed this judgment. And I'm like, well, just give it a listen. And a couple people have written me in my DMS and luckily it's, you know, been at the top. So I've been able to see it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they've said, I'm sorry, I'm totally going off track, but it's they, okay. um, <laughs> they, they basically have said, you know, I'm so glad I listened. I was not going to listen, but I listened and I loved it. So I'm glad I get to see like every so often I'll be able to see, you know, direct messages like that, mm-hmm. but people have been emailing it's been a little overwhelming. People are very well-intended and Mm -hmm. very sweet about everything. And they just want to help, but it just shows us that it's glaringly obvious that there is a problem in this country where people cannot get answers to what they need to know about their health. And Mm -hmm. it's shocking to me. So it's, it's definitely 
made me want to be more of an advocate, even, even though I probably would have been a huge advocate anyway, because it's hard to find answers in general. It makes me want to be even better, you know? Yeah. Hold up. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And now back to the show. Would you say that like the whole insurance aspect of this journey has been the most frustrating or has it been, you know, not feeling heard by like your doctors, your nurses, your healthcare team? Insurance is definitely up there. Well, yeah, because all these tests are not cheap. You know what I mean? Like MRIs, CT scans, you know, I went, (sighs) I went in for, I mean, granted, I, I, I'm not working somewhere that I have, you know, insurance benefits or anything like that. Like I have to pay for them out of my, out of pocket. But mm-hmm. I went for my yearly with my gynecologist and I got a bill for $980. <gasps> and I was like, oh my. I'm sorry. <gasps> this is yearly preventative medicine. Wow. And it, it was, it, yeah. I'm like, why, why is this not being covered? So. I know. Yes. It's shocking. And yeah. a lot of the doctors that I feel like we need to see, functional medicine doctors. Mm-hmm. Are not they do not go with insurance companies because the insurance companies basically bought, block them from doing what they want to do. So they mm-hmm. are like, you know what? We're just gonna, you know, have people pay out of pocket, and those out of pocket expenses are astronomical in the yeah. tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands of dollars. People cannot afford that. We can't afford that. No, it's really that's really frustrating. I don't know. It's like you would think that with with certain symptoms, you go to your internal medicine doctor, your primary, whatever, and they say, okay, well, based on this, you should go see a yada, yada, you know, a rheumatologist, an endocrinologist, a nephrologist, a urinal, whatever, whatever, you know, you're experiencing. Yeah. Go to that specialty. Go to that specialty. But it is just, it's been something where like I have to do it on my like thinking okay well if it's this then let's go to this kind of doctor Mm -hmm. like on my own Mm -hmm. and thankfully I have this a little bit about medical background that I feel like I have a general understanding of where we should look Mm -hmm. but it has been really frustrating because if they don't know what's going on then the road stops <laughs> you know? well, yeah. And and it depends on how quickly you can get in with these specialists too that are approved under your insurance companies because you might not be able mm-hmm. to even see them for months. Right. Yes. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. Uh, I'm frustrated for you. This journey can't have I I want to say can't have been easy, but I mean like of course it's not easy trying to navigate this this world and stuff. Yeah, no, I mean and I feel bad for people out there who who don't live in an area where they have good physicians mm-hmm. or they they just don't know any good physicians or don't trust any physicians or yeah. I don't know. I it's just it's been very eye-opening and uh we we definitely I think empathize is the right word with people out there who are also dealing with a quote unquote medical mystery, you know. Yeah. You had mentioned um, working with more like functional medicine doctors and stuff like that, too. And I know there's 
I think there's a place for everything, you know, like Western medicine, mm-hmm. Eastern medicine, functional med, internal med. You know, I think, I mean, maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but I feel like the answer lies like in the middle. You know, if you have this like giant <gasps> Venn diagram of all these different specialties and like ways of thinking and ways of healing people, the answer has to lie in the middle. So why mm-hmm. aren't more options able to be covered by by insurance? And, you know, if there's anyone listening that knows, it is very in tune or very aware, very knowledgeable of the insurance world, I would love to speak with you. So slide in my DMs, mm-hmm. please, and we'll get you on here because it's just such a mystery and hard world to navigate. Yeah, and you're right. Like when you said... It's because people have taken advantage of the system in the past and that's why they do what they do. I get that. It's it's like our our society, litigious, where people sue each other all the time. And mm-hmm. so and so people have to have liability like and, liability yeah. insurance. Yes, exactly. Like all of that. It's the same with insurance companies. I feel like they they have been burned in the past because people have taken advantage of things and doctors have taken advantage of the system which is so unfortunate because there's people like us out there who just want answers and, Mm -hmm. and want to get, want to get things covered so that they can get answers. And it's, it's almost impossible. I mean, I went through something this past year. So I thought I had a swollen lymph node Mm -hmm. and I went to my doctor and before I even like, I, I know he and his wife. So I texted his wife, who's his nurse before I, I went there. And I said, Hey, I've been having night sweats. I think I have this swollen lymph node. And so before I even got there, he had written up a prescription for a CAT scan with contrast mm-hmm. just to rule out cancer. So I go in, he checks it out and he's like, I don't think it's your lymph node. So he said, I think let's start with you going to chiropractor. We'll start there. Mm-hmm. So. I leave the appointment, I make an, a, a chiropractor appointment. And then later that day, I get a call from the imaging department at the hospital. And they're like, okay, we got the order for the CAT scan. When can you come in? And I was like, well, that's strange because he said, you sh- I should just go to a chiropractor first. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but if, if you're calling me, then maybe he, he changed his mind and he wants me to go. Yeah. And so I went to, I, I could get in the next day. Which That's is unheard uh, of. Unreal. I know, <laughs> totally unheard of. So they had a spot for me the next day. So I go in the next day. I do the CAT scan with contrast. I come home. I get a call from the insurance company, and they're like, "So we saw that you just got a CAT scan with contrast. It had it was required to be pre-approved, and you didn't get that pre-approval. So we're denying it." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" So when I got the call from the imaging department to make the appointment, doesn't that suggest said, pre-approval? Yeah. So, so she said that the, the person at the doctor's office had talked to the insurance company and the insurance company told her that it did not require pre-approval. And all I would need to do is pay a hundred dollar copay. And that's why I made the appointment because Mm -hmm. I was told by the imaging department Mm -hmm. that the doctor's office insurance person had called and said, I was good to go. Right. Right. So I get this call from the insurance company and they're like, Nope, we didn't approve it. And so you're going to have to pay the full amount, which was over $2,000. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I did everything right. <laughs> I made the appointment. I, they told me that I, I was going to have to pay a hundred dollar copay and that's it. And that's what I was told. And I trust the people in the medical world who are telling me this. 
And so I had to go through, I ended up going through the appeal process with the insurance company, which took forever, forever. Ended up with a second level appeal with a woman who was, is an angel. Her name is Kim and she's an angel. And she was like, you know what? I realized like I had to write this huge letter and explain everything that happened mm-hmm. and just say, I did everything right. Right. I'm sorry, but people told me what to do. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Why am I on the hook for it? The doctor's office is the one who got it wrong and thought that the insurance company said that I didn't need a pre-approval when I did. Mm-hmm. So I got it taken care of, um, thanks to this angel named Kim in the second level appeal, but I was, it was just so frustrating because they want, they wanted to just say, sorry, you didn't go by the rules, but I did, I did everything that I was supposed to be and that I was told to do, Right. but yet they didn't want to cover it. It was just so frustrating because some people in insurance, I feel like are all black and white. Like it's, if you don't, if you don't do it this way, then you're going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. And, and I fought and I fought and I fought. And there are some people that don't have the time. They have, you know, full-time jobs on top of full-time jobs on top of full-time jobs where they can't like make the phone calls to the insurance company and sit on hold for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. And thankfully I was able to just keep going with the process and, and get it taken care of. But gosh, it's just, it's just so frustrating. It's a frustrating world of insurance and and medicine right now. Even though I believe wholeheartedly in medicine, that's why I went into physical therapy. Right. As a patient, it's just a difficult space. So as a patient and as someone who has experience in the medical world and, you know, trying to navigate this whole thing with Ryan, what has been something that's like been like good and helpful? like during this time for you? So because the press picked up the story, Mm -hmm. you know, we have been inundated with a lot of people offering up, you know, their opinions on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And well, the brightest light to me is that there have been opportunities to connect with doctors who we feel like will lead us to the answers. So that's been a really bright light for Mm -hmm. us is, you know, when you share your story, it gets your story into the ears of people who might be able to help. So if, if I'm going to offer any advice for people, it is share your story because that allows other people to know what's going on and maybe get you to a doctor who can help or at Mm -hmm. least let you know about a doctor who can help. So for me, that's been the, that's been the biggest positive in all of this is just the connections, um, with people in the medical field who we can hopefully get answers through. Does this make you want to start an insurance company on my own? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, and like, just kind of maybe like be like a spokesperson, I guess, for like insurance company change or like policy yes. stuff. Oh, 100%. I mean, we would love to be part of the solution of fixing this because it is a problem. It's a big problem, I feel like. And especially the other part of it, you know, the insurance is one part of it, but like you said, making it so that all of the functional medicines, the the Western medicines, the Eastern medicines, the, all of it, mm-hmm. that they all work together. 
Yeah. I don't get it that there are a lot of doctors out there who are very narrow-minded, if you will. And, oh, and yeah. don't, you know, they don't want to open their eyes to other potential ways of healing and answers, the, the ability to get answers. So it's, I would love to be part of that solution. I don't know what that looks like in any way, shape or form, but you're open to figuring it out. <laughs> I am. If it can help anybody out there to not be in this situation and not have to worry about the extreme expense of finding answers. Yeah. I would love to be part of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if it's like an internal bias thing or it's just, I mean, even in the medical field, there's like a I don't want to say like a battle of wills, but I guess it kind of is between even doctors who went the MD route versus DOs, doctors of osteopathy, mm -hmm. and they both go to the same exact classes, do the same exact clinicals, learn the same exact thing, except that like DOs have a little bit more like holistic training on top of all of that. So mm -hmm. there's there's a little bit of a a bias in between MDs and DOs and and again, it's like you guys, we're, we're all have the same common goal here of treating and caring for our patients the best way possible. And I feel like that just gets lost and so tied up in the insurance world and people, I mean, it, it goes down, it goes so much further too, even than like you and Ryan, it, it goes down to insurance companies fighting people over not providing insulin to diabetics, you know, and like people not being right. able to afford daily life-saving measures you know it's yeah. like there needs to be a huge change in the turnaround of like of preventative care and like making yeah. these things affordable accessible I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast and like I really am starting to I, I used to think policy making and stuff was just so over my head and I couldn't be a part of it and now now I'm like no that might be my next journey. Mm, yeah. 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 Right. See if I can get on with some of these fellowships and learn about what it takes to make policies and policy changes and try and be more of more of a solution, you know? That'd be amazing. I mean, I I don't know that it would be my passion, if you will, but right. we have first things first. I need to focus on some things here. But but yeah, in the future, I feel like there is a need to correct these problems mm -hmm. or make them better and get doctors to work together to help their patients. That's mm -hmm. what they vow to do when they become a doctor right. um, is to help their patients. And so I don't understand why it has to be one way or the other. Why can't we all just use all of it. Yeah. All of it. All of the information <laughs> out there. I get it if you don't feel comfortable, but why not send your patient to someone who is comfortable in it? And why don't insurance companies then say, yeah, we'll pay for you to go see this doctor because even though they're not Western medicine, they can still help you. Like, I just don't, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Although, the one thing that does make sense is that the insurance companies have burned, been burned in the past and they're trying. Everyone's trying to protect themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. So it's, it, it's 
that that's the world we're living in and, and it's frustrating, but, um, yeah, if there's a way to change that and you can do that and I can do that. Fantastic. I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a very strong collective of females that listen to this podcast. So I think women are the, are who's going to change this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. We can, we can figure this out guys. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do it. Just a sec, guys. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. You haven't had issues with, like, doctors or, like, nurses not believing you or sending you to the right place, have you? Or have you been having to deal with uh, some doctors who are like, okay, here comes Tristan and Ryan again complaining about the same old thing. Oh, I'm sure they do. One of our friends, uh, this couple, has two children who were diagnosed with lymphoma, mm-hmm. both of them. Like oh, they're God, a couple years apart and devastated. They're, they're fine. Well, one of them is still just, I think just finished treatment and has mm-hmm. a, has a clean scan. Oh. Um, one of them is a, is a survivor. Yes. They, they have fought it and, and won good. to good for all intents and purposes, at least to this point. Mm-hmm. But my friend, um, the mom was a huge patient advocate for her daughter mm-hmm. who in the beginning just felt bad. She had blood work after blood work, after blood work, after blood work, and nothing was really sticking out to the doctors. Mm-hmm. And she had to advocate for her daughter because she just didn't feel right. And it ended up being lymphoma. So, I mean, there was a reason that she was not feeling bad, but my friend said to me, because I I've been sharing a little bit about what's been going on with her. She said, literally in the doctor's notes. And I think they told her this after the fact, after her daughter was, was clean and got through treatment that in the notes, they called her crazy. The word crazy. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I- concerned mom equal crazy like there has to be there I mean like we're we're all guilty of it I mean like and I say that I mean like we've I've as a NICU nurse you know have had some you know parents come in and it's like ooh, yes try your last nerve you know but it's also you have to step back and empathize with the situation that they're in 100 percent you, yeah. you just have to, you have to do it. You can't sit here and be like, man, this mom was such a bitch today. She's just, she's crazy. She's doing all this stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to take the emotion out of that part. Like it's not an attack on you. It is right. literally this, this parent is in an out of control place. Right. The thing that they love most in the world <laughs> Mm-hmm. is sick and and they don't have control over making something like mm-hmm. that better they feel helpless yeah you I'm sure have felt helpless in this situation with your husband like I hate the term crazy I hate calling people crazy <laughs> like, I know just, isn't that unbelievable it's just I mean, crazy yeah literally called her crazy so being a patient advocate you just can't think about that mm-hmm. you have to stay the course and not worry about what the doctors are saying, you know, just fight for answers and put all that out of your mind because the answers are, are the goal. Mm-hmm. And if, 
if you have to go through 10 different doctors, 20 different doctors to find those answers, then do it Mm -hmm. regardless of what, whether they label you as quote unquote crazy, like, like my friend, it's unbelievable to me. Well, it's just just disheartening that people are forced to do this, to go from, you know, another doctor to another doctor to try and, and get the answers and stuff that they need and the help that they need. Yeah. So I think, and also I think that a lot of doctors, like, like with me, that cat scan with contrast, like, I think that the insurance company looked at me like, like they didn't know me, but I think they looked at my situation and thought, oh, it's all in her head. And I think that's something that comes up a lot as well. Mm. Oh, it's all in your head or you're just stressed out or whatever. And that's why you're having the issues that you're having. They just jump to this conclusion that, that it's all in your head. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> but, but that's where in like, I'm not making this up. No. And you that's know? where in charting, I mean, just you, you have to chart everything. You have to cover your own ass when you chart because it's not just for, well, I shouldn't say just cover your own ass. Like it's, it's covering your patient too. Like it, insurance companies need documented proof of the situation that's going on. That's why like, you can't sit here and write, someone's crazy in their chart like that's so unprofessional but like you have to document your assessments what you see what you feel what you hear to Mm -hmm. validate for the insurance companies like your needs for uh recommending certain tests and stuff right so that it's not put on your on your patients have you worked much with any of like the patient relations departments Mm -mm. no not at all I mean I did a little bit when I was a physical therapist, but okay. not since then. Okay. Cause that would be, although I wonder if is patient relations, just a, a hospital thing, because I worked with patient relations in the hospital when they did have insurance problems or, you know, social worker stuff or whatever, but is patient relations a thing that people can normally access? I know just they... not being in a hospital. I honestly don't know. I feel like they should be a part of every clinic, you know, well, I mean, maybe not some like the smaller, more rural clinics, but I would, I would think so. I mean, that's supposed to be someplace that you can go to advocate Mm -hmm. as well, you know, for yourself, for your situation, for like changing a doctor if you need to, or. Yeah. You know what? I just, I just, I guess I kind of skipped that because I just do it on my own. <laughs> you know, I, because yeah. I've been in healthcare and dealt with that before. I just, I just kind of like find a doctor who is within whatever specialty we're dealing with, whether mm-hmm. it's me or Ryan or the kids or whatever. Yeah. And just go for it. And we do live in, I guess, a quote unquote rural, rural town. We're a very small town. And we are lucky to have great doctors in this town, but we are a very small town. So we're very limited in terms of who we can see. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't know that they have patient relations in, they have insurance um, specific people yeah. at our doctor's office. Um, okay. And I've worked a lot with them, mm-hmm. especially on, you know, my, my scan and that kind of stuff, but no, and we haven't had like an issue with a doctor that's like treating us wrong or, oh, well, or anything good. like that's that, yeah. you know, we just, 
I don't think have found, well, we're, we're on a specific path and we're mm-hmm. hopeful that we'll find answers on the path that we're on right now, but yeah, yeah, but it's, it's still to be decided. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a frustrating insurance journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's frustrating all around. Yeah. I mean, when a person that you love is sick mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people out there are dealing with that right now, you know, with COVID and oh, the world is just such a crazy place right now. So it's a, it, it's a frustrating world in way more reasons than one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to know about your podcast and stuff that you're starting right now. So I, you know, I talked about it a little bit before, but it's called Better Etc. And I've been kind of in talks with a bunch of different agencies, people, managers, whatever, about doing a podcast for a really long time, but nothing ever felt right. You know, it just, it felt like it was always forced. It felt like, and I don't like doing that. I like anything I promote, any spokesperson work I do. Mm -hmm. It has to be authentic. That's just who I am. I'm not an actress by any means. (laughs) And so I don't, I don't like promoting things that don't really speak to who I am as a person or Mm -hmm. who our family is or whatever. So it felt really forced for a while. And then COVID hit and we were in lockdown and we were all frustrated and tensions were high. And I got into it with my son and we just argued. I don't know why, don't know what it was about, but I walked away from it thinking I need to be better. And then the light bulb hit and I was like, whoa, that's totally it. You know, I didn't want to do another bachelor podcast because I feel Same. like there are a lot of them out there, right? <laughs> right. And when that hit, I said, I need to be better. Oh my gosh, that's it. And it isn't like this because originally, well, not originally, but along the process, I was thinking I wanted to do something regarding parenting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's obviously a big passion of mine and I want to be the best parent I can be, but this allowed me to talk to people and have conversations about how to be better in every avenue, in every aspect of life. Yeah. And not just parenting. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want to box yourself in there. Totally. Exactly. Right. So it's been incredible. I, I have absolutely loved it. I feel like I was in such a rut in life and just, I was happy in my family life and feeling fulfilled as a mom, but my kids are 11 and 13. And even though that seems young, like I can count on my hands when, and I couldn't like five years ago, when my kids are going to be leaving the nest and they're going to be gone. And then who am I, you know, (laughs) who am I and what am I doing with my life? Because it's been all about them for the most part. Yeah. I really wanted something for me. I wanted something that I could spread, spread positivity. I wanted something where I could make change, create change, even, even if really, really small, um, even if it's with one person, you know, Mm -hmm. who's listening. So I have, I have, I'm on my, let's see, well, now we're in double digits. Woohoo! That's awesome. <laughs> That's a big feat. It's so awesome. I'm just so excited. I love the conversations. Mm-hmm. I've had so many different people. I, I've had like a, a guy named Ben Nempton who was on a show called The Bucket List um, on MTV a long time ago. Um, and he does speaking engagements and he talks about what people regret 
on their deathbed and, mm-hmm. and how to regret things mm-hmm. and, and how to live your best life. And, um, then I have someone talking about grief, a grief recovery specialist. Yeah. I, you know, of course had Rachel Lindsay talking about racial injustice and how mm-hmm. we can be better allies. I had Patty Stanger talking about, um, finding and keeping your true love. It's just been so great. I, I love connecting to people. That is the meat and potatoes of life for me, you know, right. is right. human connection. And, and so I get to do that, but not only do I get to connect with people selfishly, I get to learn something mm-hmm. and from people who are maybe not even known, you know, they might not be celebrities. They, they might not be quote unquote experts, right? but they're experts to me because they can speak to a certain topic. So mm-hmm. it's been an incredible experience. And I just hope everyone listens. Cause I, I think, you know, I, I'll tell my friends, Oh, this is a great episode, but it's not about me. It's not because I think that, Oh my gosh, I'm so great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. I just, I love what the guests have to say. Mm-hmm. I love what mm-hmm. the guests are sharing the information that they're sharing and how we can all be better. So So yeah, it's really exciting and fun. I love it. Well, I love the premise of that. And I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I I feel like I say the same thing every time I do like my intros. I'm like, you're going to love this episode. I'm so excited. But it's like, (laughs) but I am. I'm genuinely that excited to share every single episode because it's such, I think everyone should start a podcast. I mean, right? it's just such a great way to connect with people and like you said and learn more and shed light on on different topics you know I mean mm-hmm. mine's definitely all related to you know the healthcare field and stuff like that but everyone can kind of find their own little niche of you know things that they want to talk about and things that they feel like they need to listen to today and it's yeah. it's a really unique world and I welcome you with open arms to the podcast world I love it. I mean, I, I think there's room for everybody. It's kind mm-hmm. of like how many TV shows are out there and how many radio programs yeah. and, you know, and now it's podcasts and I, it's so cathartic too. It's, it's a, it's a great way to deal with my own stress mm-hmm. and, and figure out how to be a better parent and a better wife and a better patient advocate or, you know, whatever, um, you know, I'm, I plan to do all kinds of, all kinds of things. I've got such great ideas because of what people have sent me and the ideas of others and, and ways that I selfishly want to be better. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's great. I think that it's great that we all can be in this together and that there are different niches and yeah. Anyway, period, end of story. (laughs) I love it. Oh, great. Trista, again, I thank you so much for taking the time to come on the WOMED and share a little bit of the journey and struggle that you guys have been going on. And what's the biggest piece of advice you could give healthcare professionals to better serve and listen and support patients? I think the biggest thing that you just said is listen, number one. You know, if I go into a doctor's office and the doctor is on their phone or not making eye contact with me, or it's just really distracting. And I feel like they are not getting the whole picture. Mm -hmm. We have been lucky to have recent doctors who actually really listen and they take notes and, 
you can tell that they're trying to get all of the information so that they can make the best decision in terms of the path of care that mm-hmm. we need to follow. So I think listening is the is one of the biggest things, if if not the biggest. And then I think well, right up there with it, side by side, is being open-minded to all different specialties and and all different types of medicine. Mm-hmm. And whether that means not going back to school necessarily, but reading some books, talking to other doctors. Reading more articles, doing more research. Doing more research. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Looking into the research. And it's just infuriating when a doctor says, well, I'm not going to do that test because, you know, I don't think it's reliable or because, you know, you could get a false positive and then, and then you spiral out of control and just focus on that. I'm like, but what if it's a true positive? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I just don't understand that way of thinking. So I think it's just being open-minded and listening to your patients truly. I I would definitely agree with that. And I, I know we're like almost out of time here, but that just reminds me of a, of a story that I think you would relate with. So I, I recently started working in the OR and one of the nurses I work with actually had um, a child that was in the NICU that I used to work with and had been in there for months. And she was telling me about, we were, we were conversing about different like doctors and NPs and stuff that were on her team and that like she really liked. And she mentioned one doctor's name and I was like, Squirt, like what? Like record stuff. I was like, you really like that guy? Because <laughs> yeah. we had like, I had known him from, you know, with the very start of his fellowship to, albeit like I was really like, I can't believe they offered him an attending position. But I will say this just because he butted heads, you know, with like the nursing staff a lot and like didn't really, you know, listen and Mm -hmm. didn't value like nursing's opinion at the beginning. I will say within the last couple of months that I I was still working in the NICU, like he was I really definitely saw like a change in him. Mm-hmm. But her daughter had been starting to to spell a lot more, which means like she was just constantly having these like desats and dropping her heart rate and mm-hmm. which can be, you know, a sign of like some sort of infection or something else deeper that's going on. And he sat down with him and was like, I 100 percent believe this has nothing to do with her heart. Like, I don't want to get an echo. Don't need to do that. And another doctor had come in and. Um, I don't know if they were like covering for the night or something like that, but they're like, no, I think we need to do a full workup. We'll get an echo. We'll do all this. And like, thank God they mm-hmm. did because it showed severe pulmonary stenosis. Mm. And for anyone that's listening that isn't that familiar with that, like not like the pressure in those pulmonary vessels was so tight that the heart was having to work so extra hard to pump that blood into the lungs where it could be oxygenated. Mm-hmm. Um, and when this doctor had found out, um, I think it was like a day or two later when he was like back on, um, he actually came in the room and sat down with the with um, the parents and stuff for like a good amount of time and was just like, I'm so sorry. Like I messed up. Like I made a mistake, you know, and I think it's just so important to, to be, as like healthcare providers, like we have to show a level of vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. if we're going to, and empathy, like if we're going to be the best healthcare providers 
for our patients and truly listen and like try and hear and figure out what's going on, we have to, we have to be vulnerable and we have to be empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you have to listen and know that you aren't the end all be all like you, I'm sure you're a great doctor, like all the doctors out there. And I know that you put a lot of time and effort and money into your education, but, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we all need help. Like we don't all know all of the answers. So working together is so important. And like you said, like actually realizing that you are human and you make mistakes, but owning up to those, Mm -hmm. holy cow. I'm sure those parents were like, you know what? It's okay. We understand, but in the future, make sure that you don't do this to anybody else. And that you actually like, why not do it? It, That is what's so shocking to me. Why not do a test? When there is technology out there mm-hmm. to figure out, get some answers, why not do them? I don't understand it. Why not do them? And instead of worrying about your ego, oh no, I totally don't believe that this is right. I'm not yeah. going to do the test. Why not just, just do the test? And if it shows that nothing's going on, great. But yeah. if it shows that something's going on, then you you can help your patient, you know? But there is also yeah. like a valid, you know, I mean, maybe maybe they are concerned about like, insurance bills because I mean NICU bills yeah. can be well over a million dollars by the oh, time their, yeah. their stays oh, are yeah. done but but there's yeah. but again it goes back to documentation and providing a valid reason to why this child you know yes. or why this patient needs a certain test so right and I get it like some tests are, are can, can put a lot of stress on a patient especially a NICU baby mm-hmm. you know of course mm-hmm. they have to take that into account and I'm sure right. that they do right that you know radiation you know for someone who has had a lot of radiation you need mm-hmm. to be careful with that or steroids or whatever but I think that if there are signs and symptoms pointing towards a certain diagnosis then why not go down the path of figuring out you know and crossing things off the list right that is my biggest thing right. just okay great that's how if you get to an I answer. Was it was, you yes, exactly. Off the list. Right. Just, I mean, I know that's not the medical right. term for it, but just cross <laughs> things off the list. <laughs> I love it. We have a lot of work to do in this country in more ways than one, but I have, ho- but yeah, I, I hope that we'll get there. I do too. I do too. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yes. That we can be better, et cetera. That we can be better, et cetera. <laughs> just, a, just a plug for yes. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great. I, I, I love this chat. I'm so excited for you and WOMED and for doing what you're doing. And thank you for letting me talk about what I'm doing. Of course. You're welcome anytime. All right, friends. Thank you again to Trista for making the time to speak with me. Make sure you check out her podcast, Better Etc. And follow along on Instagram at Better etc. ETC and at Trista Sutter. If you have a second to like, rate, and leave a review for the WOMED on whatever platform you listen, I would be so, so grateful. Thank you guys for continuing to tune in. I love y'all. WOMED out. <laughs>